This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on the morning run, and I'm Philip C. Now, on today's show, we are in conversation with Mr. Premendran Pamanathan. He's the General Manager for Customer Data Solutions and Quality for iProperty.com.my. Welcome, Prem, to The Property Show. Thanks, Philip. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks. iProperty.com.my has your semi-annual portal demand analytics, and you break it into residential rental and also sales. So today, our focus is on the first half of this year. And this is your third edition, where you're analysing property demand across four major locations, Kuala Lumpur, Selangor, Penang and Johor. Perhaps can you give us a sense, how has dynamics between supply and demand changed in the first half of this year? Yeah, sure, Philip. Yeah. So when we did this, right, we compared the first half of this year against the first half of last year, 2020, right? So the good news is uh, there was a positive growth in demand. So how we calculate demand is the ratio of our unique visits over our listings, you know, from the agents itself. So from there, so the listings are the supply while the unique visits are the demand itself. And we kind of calculate the growth of this. So uh, for the residential rental property, the demand experienced a positive year-on-year growth uh, in 2021, H1, increasing to 1.9%. Uh, it's a modest growth, you know, it's not really huge, you know, it's a double digit. But comparing to last year, right, first half, when we compare 2020 with 2029, uh, there was a decline of 5.6%. So coming back from that decline, it was good that, you know, we could see that positive growth. Now, this growth was significantly due to terrace homes. So terrace homes uh, contributed quite a big chunk of this at 14% of growth and service residents as well, which is about 8%. Now, we observed this as an interesting shift in H1 2020, where condominium was, you know, had a good growth uh, in 2020. And uh, this demand, another thing we noticed is uh, it was driven by city centres. You know, uh, they grew in H1 2021. But of course, uh, we all have to remember that in 2020, we are comparing with a period which had a lower base. You know, that's when we first experienced our first MCO and all that. So yeah, you know, so comparing with that, these city centres came back because you know some of this economy was you know started to reopen. You know, uh, some of these offices were beginning to reopen. So places like Mount Kiara, Mid Valley, KLCC, you know, they were they did pretty well yeah, in this half. So essentially, what you're saying is, look, there is an improvement versus last year right, about 2%, close to 2%. But if you compare to pre-COVID, which is your 2019 baseline, we are still not yet to pre-COVID levels. You are alluding that, you know, certain market segments are recovering a bit faster, you know, the city centres, a bit more of the centralised locations. Has any segment or slice actually hit pre-COVID yet? Uh, No, I think, you know, in the sense of, uh, you know, let me surpassing pre-COVID, I would say no, you know, it, it has not uh, surpassed you know, that period yet because, uh, I mean, if you look at terrace homes, right, you know, terrace homes, yeah, you know, it's fantastic, you know, the numbers are really good, but, you know, it's not in every location, right? You know, so some of these, so these locations like uh, su- su- suburbs, you know, they are doing pretty well. So I would say where the popular areas are like PJ and all that, it, it has not returned back. However, the suburbs, uh, I would say they have, in a way, 
surpassed pre-COVID because to begin with, they were not really strong. No, but now everyone's looking at, hey, you know, I don't have to commute right. to work and I yep. can get a bigger unit. So they started to come like kind of like uh, emerge up as a winners. So the recovery is a bit faster, uh, and which is very interesting point you brought up and alluded to just now. Because in your report, you did say terrace houses and service yeah. residences, you know, delivered positive demand. While the condominiums yeah. and apartments continue to see demand declined. Now, it's such a, you know, big contrast between terrace houses and service residences. Can you explain yeah. why is there such a dichotomy in the progression here? Sure, sure. So I'll start off with uh, terrace homes. So terrace homes, I think clearly this whole effect of work from home uh, has got this um, influence in this because we saw the similar trend even in the sales part of it. You know, terrace homes was, and to be honest, terrace homes has always been popular. You know, it's just that it is always in the outskirts if you're talking about affordability, right? I mean, if you're, comparing, you're trying to get a terrace home in Pansa, you know, that's going to cost you a bomb, you know? So so if people, you know, two years ago or last pre-COVID, right, commute was very important to them. You know, it has to be easy for me to go to office, you know? So you don't expect me to get a home in Benkil or, you know, Kajang or Somenye, you know? However, when COVID came in, it shifted the dynamics. They could consider this, you know what, I'm not going to work, you know? I, but I need that space. You now my daughter needs a room, my son needs a room. So the ones who could not afford to buy decided to choose to rent terrace homes you know, in these right. areas. And places like Shah Alam, Puncha Alam were doing well. While for service residences, two things. Number one, we are comparing with the lower base. So service residents had a decline of 6% last year. They already kind of dropped, but this year they came back, right? But not, not really in the big numbers. The, the reason why service residents was always popular even though they're smaller in unit, is because of these locations they are in. You know, they're generally above a mall, you know, they're close to affluent. Uh, LRT stations, affluent areas, the coffee shops are there. So people sacrifice size for convenience and affluency, you know. For condominiums, on the other hand, condominiums never really had a decline last year. They were strong. They actually had a 1% growth uh, last year. You know? So condominiums are generally, you know, you enjoy all the facilities, but, you know, in the sense of bigger size, you know, you, know, you get bigger sizes. So when I say a decline of demand growth, right, what it generally means, right, the supply of the condo, the increase of the supply surpassed the increase of the visits. So there was a positive increase for condominiums. However, the supply of condominiums coming into the market surpassed the visits. So, you know, with this whole uh, new units being launched, right, you know, and I'm sure you know about this overhang just happening out there. So there's a lot of units available out there. They came into the market and that brought down the overall demand. I see. So what is very interesting is your demand push is actually a structural issue about people wanting more space or actually the reverse where people are thinking of a more centralised location, whereas the declines are driven a bit from the oversupply that is taking place. And I want to get your right. perspective right because first half of this year and first half of last year were very interesting because they both went through MCO. And I was yes. a bit surprised that there was a bit of growth if you compare first half to first half simply because we had a longer stretch of the MCO, I believe, actually this year versus last year. So right. can you help me contrast how the trends shifted between the first and the second MCO? Sure, sure. So... You know, uh, Philip, you remember March, right, last year when they first announced the MCO, you know, everyone was you know, flipped out, you know, you know, the panic kicked in. You know, even our traffic, right, to our to our side, 
dropped by 40 over percent last year, April and May. You know, everyone just refused to do anything. Then when we came back with the, you know, with the first CMCO, you know, uh, the agents especially, you know, they were allowed to go out and all that. We started to kind of like notice something. One is uh, consumers are, are, are beginning to warm up, warm up to the idea of doing online research. You know, they started to say, you know, it's a, it's a reality. I need to do a lot of online research, you know, before I make a decision. Number two, uh, agents started to use things like virtual tours, you know, all those uh, video tours, live tours and all that. And this year, uh, based on feedback from the agents, right, uh, tenants and buyers, you know, buyers as well, right, are actually uh, willing to look at live, you know, at tours to make a decision before they actually actually do that uh, drop by, you know. And the, the reason is they have no choice. <laughs> you know, basically, this is what the agents told them. There's no other choice. They've already accepted the fact that this, but it took them about six months, you know, to kind of like accept this. So that's why this year we never saw a collapse in our traffic, you know, when MCO2 came in in January. Yep. And then uh, in May was MCO3, right? There was not a big drop in visits compared to our first MCO. And this was clearly because people have already accepted the fact that, you know what, I can rent the unit just by looking at a live tour. In your view, it's still a tenant's market. So if you look at the way supply and has increased, right? Uh, it is, yeah, it is definitely still a tenant's market for two reasons. Number one, I saw the listings had increased. Number two, we have seen median asking rent starting to decline. Hmm. So this is a very clear evidence that landlords are, you know, they are willing to sacrifice some of the amount they've already accepted. We did not see this in the first half of last year because landlords were still wishful thinking, you know, now, nah, you know, I'm going to keep my up. But however, this year we saw the declines, especially in high rises for condominium and service residences, which clearly indicates that, you know, the tenants have got that ball in their court, you know, they, they're starting to demand the choices are there. So as long as listings are uh, surpassing the demand, it is going to be a tenant's market. How, how big is the decline you're seeing in terms of average rentals? So let's talk about KL. So Kuala Lumpur, the median asking today, I mean the first uh, H1, 2021, is 2,000 ringgit. That's the median. All right. That is a drop of 13% wow. compared to uh, yeah last year, which is about 2,300, 2,200 ringgit, you know. And this this decline was not so not in every building type. Eh? It was actually in service residences. Service residences actually did a big collapse in Kuala Lumpur. You know? While for different states has different stories, eh? but service residence is quite consistent. So for Salango, we saw a price decline uh, of a thousand five hundred for you know uh, for condominiums about thousand five. There was a slight decline uh, and uh, about ten percent. And uh, service residences declined to about 1,350 ringgit, which is about 6%. Uh, apartments and terrace homes stayed strong. They stayed strong in Slango because Slango, you know, it's very strong in terrace homes, you know. Uh, very, very um, uh, evergreen product in the Slango you know, because of the land which they have. On the property show today, Pramendran Pathmanathan from iproperty.com.my. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Mr. Pramendran Pathmanathan, General Manager for Customer Data Solutions and Quality from iproperty.com.my. Can I just go back to your earlier point about KL, where you talked about service residences seeing a huge uh, decline in rental yields. 
That is contrary to what you're seeing in terms of the listings and the viewers, right? Because they saw an uptick in in users. Is that correct? So is there a, is there a disassociation between the demand and the yield that's taking place? Yeah, yeah. So in the sense of a uh, yield, right? So what I mentioned to you was the drop in the asking rent, right? It's just the asking rent yep. part of it which dropped, but the yield has got a close relationship to asking prices, right? So asking prices. Now, you know, the government recently informed that uh, overall asking prices dropped by 0.2%, very, very minor drop in there. You know? But like, honestly, prices in uh, in KL did not really drop, did not drop significantly. You know, yeah, there are some areas which drop, you know, 0.1%, 0.2%, and so on and so forth. Now, what happens if the pro- property price does not drop as much as the rental, your real is going to get impacted, you know, in that sense, because the price of the property is still the same. However, the rent I'm going to get from it, it's going to be lower. That that has caused that yield to actually uh, a, a drop. No, that's the main reason. I see. Now, I want to just get back to you about, you know, whether loan moratoriums, when they uh, end end of the year, whether that will change the dynamics again. Yeah, it definitely would. Uh, but the good news is, you know, like people, like in the, especially in the commercial, you know, landlords for the commercial buildings and all that, like banks like Maybank and all that, they've extended beyond what the government has already instructed. You know, for example, I'll just share a personal story. You know, I got this little retail unit in the wholesale city centre, right? My tenant could not afford, you know, he basically could not pay. There was, it, was a, it was a ghost town. The whole mall was a ghost town, right? So we did not collect any rent uh, during the moratorium period. Then at the, when the moratorium ended, remember there was this optional moratorium. They said that you know you can actually call in to ask. And I checked with my tenant. He said, "Prem, I still can't. I still can't pay." You know, called up the bank. Bank was really understanding. They gave me an option. You know, you can go for six months or you can go for one year moratorium. Whereby after that you can also go for another half a year at half of the of the installment. So the banks have really understood that you know commercially we need to keep this guy stable. So I've got like now a one and a half years moratorium uh on my uh, commercial load, you know, and I think in general, you know, even though the government says this has stopped, it's good that the banks are still uh, considering, but I think you need to have that discussions today because if you don't, uh, I think it's going to be a big impact because it really did question a lot of the landlords out there. Which does lead me to uh, the next question, uh, and I think you would be in a very good position to do because of all the data and analytics that uh, mm. in iProperty uh, mines from your users and from your agents, mm. can you forecast where the overhang and the oversupply is? Oh, okay. I <laughs> So uh, in the sense of um, when you look at the our, our report, right? Yeah. And you look at the report, that kind of already gives you a very good indication. You know, because when you look at the areas, like for example, like we see Mon Kiara, KL City Center, you know. Not like this. Yeah, when you when you see that positive growth, right? What that is telling you uh, is basically there's a lot more buyers than there are sellers. There are a lot more uh tenants than there are landlords. Whereas when you see the ones at the bottom of the list, this gives you a clear, you know, like but to caves, you know, and uh, yeah. and all this, right? So negative, right? What has happened is a lot more supply came into the market versus, uh, you know, uh, versus. So that hopefully, I mean, people when they look at the report, that will give them a really good idea. Any places you see which are top ten in demand today, 
And then the second table, which shows you the growth of it, and they're going to stay in the top 10. Like for example, you know, like Monkera, for example, you know, if they are in the top 10, and they also show a very strong positive growth, we foresee next year they're going to be in the top list as well because it is continuing to grow. I guess it's a question of trend, isn't it? So, you know, Monkera has been consistently uh, moving up, but in your, you know, years of doing this already, well, not many years, but in, in the experience you've had, right, do you see a consistent trend, especially in the bottom, which tells you these are the red alerts and red signals? Are there consistent locations that are that continuously register negative declines? Oh, that's a very, that's, that's a really good question, Philip, because to me, I, I hope it was a cons- it was a consistent trend, mm-hmm. but it is not. It's not now because you know you see like I give an example a particular case you know last year or two years ago was actually at the top, essentially at the top you know and, and then this year suddenly it collapsed you know and you was wondering what happened. That's what a correction then. To places like mm-hmm. sorry yes yeah yeah and you know even Old Clang Road Old Clang Road is another very good example at one period it was really hot the following year it went down. Then when we checked the listings, right, we saw this surge of uh, units coming into the market. You know, but, you know, Old Clang Road, the main road, right, left and right, we yeah. saw all these buildings coming up, right? All the keys started to uh, started to appear. Everyone started getting keys to this place. Now, what happens, you know, most of these people bought it, a lot of them bought for investment, right? What are these owners going to do? They're going to list it on iProperty. <laughs> then suddenly you get, bang, this project, 400 new listings come in. This project bank 500 new listings come in. So my point is, uh, Philip, the user visits, the people who are still keen on Old Clang Road, they're still keen on Batu Caves. It's just that now the supply has come into the market, you know, a, a much bigger supply has come into the market, which has brought down the overall demand to that for that particular area. So you know where all the developments are coming online. So essentially you can even forecast. Uh, in the second half of this year, where the oversupply will be, you know, because, you know, property development projects and the pipeline is quite clear cut. Uh, you can yeah, forecast, yeah. right, where the negative uh, rents and yields will take place uh, next six months or even the following six months, no? Yes, you, I can, uh, but I did not crunch that that, that, that <laughs> number, you know. So, you know, the 50,000, you know, the uh, overhang units and all that, right? So a lot of these this, this, this projects, number one, they are in the outskirts. So there are, you know, there are, there are a lot of them are in the outskirts. So when the keys came into the market, it never impacted places like KLCC, Monkiara, and all that. So these supplies never actually came in. The supplies which are coming into areas like this get absorbed really fast. That's why, Philip, to your question on, you know, like that's the trend. Is is it continuous, right? I will say no because these listings come in, right? You know, average three months, you know, maximum absorbed, they they leave the market. And these are really hot places. You know. So that's why, you know, it's very difficult <laughs> we to kind of give that, that prediction in that sense. And I want to ask you about Budget 2022. You've heard the government issue a whole bunch of initiatives, not much, yeah. to be honest, not, with respect yeah, to property. Yeah, right. uh, there was a bit of the housing ownership campaign that will continue on. How do you think that yeah. will shape and shift uh, rental uh, markets next year? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at it, right, um, yeah, the budget train, train two, there's only two things which I, for me, I would like to call out, which is this, of course, the RPG, you know, the RPGT assumption. You know? So that's going to kind of like, you know, for the sixth year onwards, that's going to move the subsale market a bit because that's going to give motivation to sellers and all that. And number two, you know, that housing credit guarantee scheme, right? So this is something very interesting because most of the time, this group of people, the gig workers and the freelancers, right, they tend to, rent because they can't buy 
you know, they can't, you know, I mean, they can't afford to pay the installment. It's just that they can't get the loan, yeah. right? So the government coming with this credit scheme, they are trying to entice this group of people that, hey, you know what, buy, buy, you know? So I foresee that with this, you know, with $2 billion allocated for this, um, there could be a shift where people, I mean, no doubt it's for the low and medium housing only, you know, but there are some pretty good medium, uh, low, uh, I mean, medium cost houses by private developers, no, which are pretty decent, uh, which these guys might go for. We're talking about people who are a salary of 1,000 to 1,400 ringgit, you know, average, you know. And these are renters generally today. So uh, if, the, if they are enticed to this and they can get to buy, if they're okay with the location, we could see a little shift uh, in the rental. And this could be a negative shift, isn't it? Because it's a shift yes. and create a bit of oversupply for those uh, middle-income, lower-income housing locations. So some place like uh, in the suburbs, further out from the city, would have a negative consequence, no? Yeah, correct. So in this case, right, if you look at, uh, I would say in the sense of rental, yes. So, I mean, to begin with, if landlords are buying outskirts to rent, right, <laughs> that's already, uh, you know, a kind of like a, red alert. a wishful thinking, you know, in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, I mean, Red alert, yeah. I mean, places like, there are some places, no doubt, like Patukawan, Pasir Gudang, and all these, right? They are supported by commercial. They are supported by industrial. So, when you know, with that, right, job, jobs are required. With that, housing is required. It's actually required. So, places like Johor and East Coast, where, you know, it's, it's driven by petroleum and so on. It's temporary. Rental is still going to be strong. No one's going to go and buy, you know, I got two years contract, three years contract, and we know, we know that's happening a lot. But in places like Semenye, Kajang, Benke, where people are buying to own, to stay, right? Uh, with this new uh, scheme allocation, that I think places like this, the rental market could shift if it is attractive enough for them to buy. Prem, thank you for being on the show. Really fascinating insights. That's all the time we have for today's property show. I've been speaking to Mr. Pramendran Prathmanadhan, General Manager for Customer Data Solution and Quality at iProperty.com.my. I'm Philip C. signing off for The Morning Run. We have the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.